research suggests that if we are in a space of positivity and if we live in a positive mind like within a positive mindset everything is completely different your immune system is boosted you naturally feel better and that's very much like the work that you do in the 12 steps of recovery is like based around rewiring your brain and the way you consider things and you think about things and when you're able to change that and turn it in you know turn turn problems or challenges into a learning opportunity you will grow exponentially you'll become a totally different person and, and, and I think I honestly think that the fear that's behind like negativity it limits our growth and this is the thing I think we disconnect ourselves so much from our physical physical being and our mental being that we don't actually look for the signs that are already there when your body's saying or your mind's saying, hey, slow down, I need attention, like, hello, you know, and then yeah. if you don't pay attention to those signs, because the show must go on, which is like the rock and roll saying, right, then, you know, it could lead to cancer, it could lead to so many other things. That What's happening on stage isn't reflected backstage, you know, you've got all these like, beautiful, you know, multi-ethnicity kind of performance performers or performances or, or audience members, and then it's not reflected backstage. And that's actually just not a healthy ecosystem mm -hmm. so that I can exactly, as you said, be of service to other people in a way that someone from outside of the industry wouldn't be able to understand. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, that extra layer of empathy of being like, oh shit, I've been on the back of a tour bus and felt like that. Or, oh shit, I've been, you know, on the side stage or I've been, you know, working in a, at a label or I've been working in a management company and felt that. And it's having that extra ability to empathize is like, that is immeasurably important. Yeah. Welcome to the Collaborative Resource Hub by Wellness Provisions. Our mission is to bridge the gap between mental health, wellness, and music, specifically rock and roll. I'm Amy McBride, owner of Wellness Provisions, the most badass wellness business. Wellness Provisions supplies rock and rollers with high quality supplements. We give you a trustworthy place to go where you can essentially shop blindfolded. Our wellness kits were created out of a need to simplify your shopping experience and make it stress-free. You'll get the most effective nutrients in the least amount of bottles with the least trial and error. Immerse yourself in the Collaborative Resource Hub by going to our website where you'll have access to helpful resources that can nudge you in the right direction. Let's inspire each other. If that guy did it, so can you. Find the Collaborative Resource Hub interviews on YouTube, all major podcast platforms, and subscribe to our newsletter to stay in the loop. Last but not least, my legal disclaimer, nothing in this interview or the Collaborative Resource Hub substitutes medical advice. Please connect with your GP if you need medical guidance. All right, Joanne, thank you so much for being here and chatting. Uh, I'm excited for this conversation. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. I love what you're all about. It's just an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you. So you are um, a wellness and diversity specialist within the live touring sect. Um, what exactly do you do and how does that relate to well-being? So I am essentially, Amy, the people, the person that people call when they want their tours to be healthier or when they want specifically around mental health or when they want to diversify their tours as well. So, you know, they're seeing it, it's so great in this last year, a lot of people, especially like people within hiring positions, have come to a point on tours where they're looking around, they're saying, something's got to change because I have to be a part of the change that's happening in the world. And I think a lot of people have done a lot of self-reflection um, and certainly within the groups that I've been helping to co-facilitate, which I'm sure we'll come on to later, a lot of people have realized that they need to commit to change. Otherwise things, things cannot go back to how they were. Mm -hmm. So they come to me and say, how can we make this happen? So it's about finding people to help get them into positions so that crews are, are diversified not for a box ticking exercise, but to actually educate the culture within that space so that it changes. 
and also kind of hand in hand with that, as I said, around mental welfare as well. So whether that is specifically around, you know, how do I make sure that my crew gets an extra hour in bed? Because we know that sleep is good for their welfare, for instance. Or do you know someone who is a therapist that specializes in this? Or I've got someone on my crew who's in trouble with this. Can you recommend them someone to speak to? So that's kind of like, like that person in the middle who gets people, essentially like an ambassador in that role. Yeah. So you're just, you, you connect people, you are a resource and connect people to more resources. Exactly. Exactly. And, it's, and, and I think because I've been working in kind of the wellness and diversity space within live for so long, I've got a lot of people really trust my judgment, which is a huge honor and it's a pleasure. And it's people of all levels in the industry that turn to me and say, I need X, where do I go for that? Or, and if I don't know the answer, I will certainly know someone and be able to reach out to someone in my network who does. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of something that I've been building for a lot of years and here it is and I'm doing it and it's a fantastic thing to do. Yeah. So like what led you down like this path of, um, you know, this career and helping people in this way? So it's really interesting. So I've worked in the music industry for a long time, like a long time. So I started working in a music management company when I was 21. And um, so it kind of weaves in really nicely with my own personal story. So I was working there and I was really young. I was, you know, I was young. I was like in an industry that I'd always wanted to be in. Like, I know you've spoken before, but like how music is like literally everything. And so I got this job working as a receptionist at a management company. And I was found myself in a position where all of a sudden I was picking up the phone to music publishers. I was picking up the phone to tour managers. I was picking up the phone to all these different people in the industry and just kind of getting an idea of what a manager does and what that looks like. And, and kind of looking at the back end of the industry as someone who had always been in the crowd, always wanting to be backstage. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. And so I worked at that company for six years. And then I moved over to Berlin and worked at a label there for a little while. I managed an artist there and that was quite interesting because at that point um and i think if we could have some canned applause this is like the time for applause so <laughs> i um i i yeah so my addiction got really really out of out of completely out of control and unmanageable in berlin and um i actually tried to take my life when i lived there like things got really 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 unmanageable and Luckily enough for me, my old boss who used to work at the management company, I was still in close contact with him and he'd been in 12 step recovery for something like 25 years at this point. And I flew home to come and see him and he gave me some advice that changed my life. He said, you know, you've always been welcome in the rooms of 12 step, this 12 step fellowship. And, you know, and, and the most important thing that we do in that space is, you know, we never, we never force it down people's throats. You know, we say attraction rather than promotion. And he said, you've always been welcome there. So that was a Friday. I went home on the and then on the Tuesday I went to my first English speaking meeting of this particular twelve step fellowship and since then, eleven years, uh, three months and three days ago, I haven't touched a drink or a drug. So like, yes, cue the canned applause. Woo! Yeah. So I got sober in Berlin. So that was really interesting because you know I, I, I came back to the UK uh -huh. and I. Um, worked in the NHS, so I worked in the National Health Service here, and I was really keen and committed to work specifically with uh, women in recovery and whatever, whatever that was recovery from addiction or kind of mental health challenges. Um, and I ended up landing this job at this, uh, at this mental health um, foundation, assisting a chief executive. I don't know, it's typical music industry. I just kind of like made it up and got there. Like, I don't really know how it happened. Um, and it was fantastic because I was on wards with people a lot of the time for four years. I was on wards. I was, you know, seeing how people helping to design surfaces around what people needed um, and being the people that people turn to, to if they wanted to have, you know, 
like like a lived experience of someone in recovery and that was just hugely powerful you know and I managed to like set up some um like women's only meetings uh in that particular space of something called the women's institute which is really big in the uk um that was the first time they had met within a mental health kind of setting and those women still all meet me today which is oh, fantastic wow. yeah so there are women in recovery from different mental health challenges or addiction issues but i'd always known that i wanted to come back to music and so my old boss that i mentioned before he he actually died so he died he got cancer and died and I knew I wanted to come back, but that was my catalyst to come back. I was like, right, I need to be the, because he was always the person that people turned to when they had a mental health issue or, and I was like, I need to come back and do something like, I need to do that. Okay. So yeah, I like, yeah, I like moved back to London with no plan and no job. And I just, just so happened at that time, thank my higher power and God and mother nature that this charity started called Music Support that were looking for volunteers and they were started by music industry people for music industry people living with mental health or addiction issues. And I started volunteering um, there. And then um, on the helpline, I was the first volunteer to take a, a call on the helpline, which was amazing. I was so shit scared, but I did it and it was fantastic. Awesome, yeah, I helped someone to find a meeting near them, a recovery meeting. And, um, and then a year later, the charity got some funding and asked me if I wanted a full-time job. I was like, oh, obviously, amazing. So that was, I, I was at Music Support for three years and I li literally just recently left. And over that time, I was able to combine my lived experience of working in so many areas of the music industry and also working within mental health services and, and from my own, you know, recovery. So yeah. it's like bringing that all together in a way that I don't know if, I, I honestly didn't know what was gonna happen when I moved back to London and that's what happened. And here I am, that's, that's the story. Amazing. <laughs> I feel like when things just sort of like, I don't know, you're carried, like you're carried down this stream. And I feel like that's, that's the right direction, you know, because I've, I've talked with other people. They're like, I don't even know how like that happened or how I got here, but it's like, they're in their passion and like serving others. And like, it's just like, you know, it's where you're supposed to be. And I, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, yeah. I, I genuinely believe that my how, my higher power put me in those positions and everything I've done up until today has brought me to where I am today mm -hmm. so that I can exactly, as you said, be of service to other people in a way that someone from outside of the industry wouldn't be able to understand. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, that extra layer of empathy of being like, oh shit, I've been on the back of a tour bus and felt like that, or, oh shit, I've been, you know, on the side stage, or I've been, you know, working in a, at a label, or I've been working in a management company and felt that. And it's, having that extra ability to empathize is like, that is immeasurably important. Yeah, it's crucial. It's crucial, absolutely. What, what do you think of that like age old sentiment of um, you, before you can take care of someone else, you have to take care of yourself first. I am the biggest fan of that saying, cause it's totally true. It's mm -hmm. totally true. And I'm, I, and I need to be very, very clear about this, that I, I am a person that struggles to put myself first. That is, it's always been an issue with me. You know, it's something I've been really, really looking a lot at, especially since COVID started. You know, how can I do that? Because I am, I am the first person to always pass off the oxygen mask to other people. But through this time, through really fucking amazing therapy and working the 12 steps of the sponsor and doing the things that I need to do, I'm now able to show up for myself in a way that I wasn't before. So actually this like 12, 14 months have been a massive blessing for me because now I'm actually able to help myself. And that's why I think, you know, these new opportunities that I've got and that I'm now look, working in live touring, that only came about as a result of COVID. And I needed to look after myself first to be able to now stand into this role where I can act effectively help other people. Yeah. 
because you have to be at like a full capacity within yourself. Otherwise you, I mean, like you literally have nothing to offer someone. Absolutely. And that's what you see. Carer's burnout is a thing. That is a thing. It absolutely happens. And I think, yeah. you know, they, there is a, there is a sensation called the wounded healer, which is like people who are wounded, who do exactly that as well, you know, who try and heal other people and um, to their detriment. And it never yeah. works out well. Never. Well, and I think well. it's also, I mean, it's, uh, like a form of like denial really just so that you don't have to look at yourself that is it you're completely like you're deflecting you're helping other people rather than looking and saying you know what maybe I need to keep my side of the street clean before I'm cleaning other people's clear, like streets so it's like how do I do that and you know I think we're also so many people like that in my experience have you know we've lived with a lot of trauma when we were kids so, you know, I, I was a young carer for my mom when she, when, when I was younger and there's a few other things that happened in my childhood that almost pre-programmed me to, to have that pre-decision to essentially care, care for other people first. Right. So unless you actually understand that about yourself and are willing to reflect on that uh -huh. and make change happen, you're not going to move anywhere. Correct. Yep. Yeah. What, so like now as being healthier in that area what are some things that you incorporate into your life to stay balanced or to balance your stress levels or just stay on the level i exercise a lot okay. i run so i run three times a week i swim two times a week i am um, i eat really i'm vegan i've been vegan for a long time so and that's like super important to me so there's certain things like like we were saying before like sleep i have to sleep i have a sleep routine that i've gained during this time and really looking at what what helps me to sleep um, and kind of catering it for me. Um, and food is such a big thing for me, like being vegan. And I try and eat really healthily as well. I don't just like eat, I don't, I'm not a junk food vegan at all. Like <laughs> there are some, yeah, there's certain times when I'll have like a vegan burger, but like, I know some vegans that are junk food vegans. Mm -hmm. I, like, yeah, super unhealthy, high cholesterol. Like just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're healthy, like at all, at all. So that's a really big thing that I try and watch. You know, I take Udo's oils. I take spirulina. I take chlorella. Yeah. I I think, yeah. When we chatted the first time, I remember you mentioned the Udo's oils. Yeah. yeah every day in my smoothie, I have that. Udo's oils. It makes me feel great. You know, as I said, spirulina, chlorella. I take multivits, you know, I, and all, I take magnesium as well. All these things to make sure that, you know, when I do go back out on the road, I'm going to be well. I've got all these like foundations. Yeah that are going to mean that I'm going to be well. I mean, yeah. that, that's how I do it. It's literally like, what does my body need and what does my mind need to keep me well? And mm -hmm. I do those things. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, do you, I guess, once you go back out on the road, are you going to have like your little arsenal of like, you know, non-perishable, you know, cause the Udo's is, is perishable. Well, you can get the soft gels, I guess, but like, um, will you have like your supplements with you? Definitely. Definitely. And a good friend of mine who's a tour manager, Susie Green, she also takes a Nutribullet on the road with her. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm so doing that. She takes it in a carry-on. I'm going to do that. I'm doing that. I am not, I, I am happy to like sacrifice other things to have the space for that. Yeah. That is, like, you know, you can put some vegetables on your rider and you can just make a soup or do you know what I mean? And that's, you know, with, with like spirulina powders, like super green powders, super green food. Mm -hmm. And Susie also mentioned to me, um, liquid, liquid chlorella as well. I'm going to start buying that and putting it in my water. <laughs> Yeah, I think that could be something that's just these little tiny things that I think could really enhance. And, and as I am today, you know, I'll always have a standing desk, you know, I'm a production coordinator. So we sit, we sit down a lot, but I'm going to refuse to do that. I like standing. Like yeah. I, I know for me, my body is better when I'm standing. Otherwise I just get that slump. I just mm -hmm. get slumped and, you know, making sure that we're eating, snacking on things like raw nuts, 
you know, fruit. It's it's never gonna, you know, I don't I don't really even like chocolate. So it's like it's not gonna be like a sweets and crash, you know, and post post food post show post food show is gonna be things like sushi. You yeah, know what I mean, it's not gonna be like pizza and I mean beer. It would heavy, be anyway. yeah, like heavy oily foods. Yeah, no, no, and also like having. Um, I've gotten really into meditation this year as well. Like meditation cushion is coming out with me. Like you know, like my my weighted blanket as well to like calm anxiety. Like all the my literally my touring kit is going to be sick it's going to be slick and sick that's awesome <laughs> that's so great do you do yeah. um, electrolytes or anything like you know after just to rehydrate and replenish all the lost minerals and stuff no but Susie has recommended I do that so that's something I need to start doing yeah yeah, electrolytes are huge because I mean it's carrying all the trace minerals and the nutrients that you need like to your brain so that it starts functioning better and like to your extremities and yeah, it's they're huge. That sounds amazing. That's um, thank you so much. That's a tip for me. I'm going to do that because you're now the second person in like the space of a few weeks that said I need to do that. Yeah, I'm talking to Susie tomorrow, by the way. Fantastic. I'm so yeah. excited. You two literally have got so much to talk about. <laughs> um, so when you were in Berlin and things were really like getting bad, um, did you have any community there like supporting you and around you? None. Yeah. Because it's interesting really as well, Amy, because I moved to Berlin thinking, oh, everyone speaks English. But like when I was there, like especially because I lived in the East, like you either spoke German or you spoke Russian or you couldn't even, I couldn't even go into a shop and, and buy bread. I couldn't, I couldn't even, I didn't have the confidence to, I had I, like, I'd taken like six weeks of German classes and it was, I was just like, I'm English, you know, like that colonialist mindset, like everyone's going to be speaking English. And boy, was I like rude awakenings when I got there. I felt I like, I had a few friends there, but they were like drug taking friends. And it was, it wasn't like, it was like fair with friends. So I think that's like the most isolated I'd ever felt in my life because I couldn't speak the language. I couldn't integrate with other people. And I was just in a city that wasn't really, it was gentrified to an extent, but like this, the area that I was in was still quite like, yeah, well, it's, it was East, you know, East Berlin. So, you know, for me to, to naively go in there and think that I would just be able to call the shots and, you know, it was really hard. And, and that's where I'm so glad that my old boss gave me the advice that he did because going into a 12 step fellowship instantly gave me a community. Yeah. I just didn't have that before. I didn't have people that I, I could rely on if I really need, like if the shit really hit the fan and I was, I needed help like right that minute. I didn't have anyone. And, mm -hmm. but then again, I walked into the doors of those meetings and within a few weeks, I had those numbers in my phone that I've never had before. They're like my lifelines. And now, you know, those, those people that I'm still in contact with today, like I would literally, we would take bullets for each other. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. That's solid. And yeah, I mean, that's what I just, I mean, it's, it's true just for whether someone has, um, you know, addiction that they're, you know, working on and working through or just mental health imbalances, or just if you're human, like community is like the number one thing that like grounds you and nourishes you and is just there. Yeah. And we, and we don't even realize how much we need each other. And I think if anything, the last 14 months has shown, especially people in the music industry that like, especially, you know, like Tour, the touring community, the, everyone that's been at home, you know, we've had some really, really, really horrible, you know, stories of people like, you know, hurting themselves or taking their lives or because they're so used to being in the heart of a community with a family, like on the road or at a festival backstage or doing all these things. And 
and all of a sudden they're not there anymore, you know, and, and not being able to physically see each other. I think it's, you know, I genuinely believe the ramifications of what we've been living through that we are going to be feeling those for many, many years to come, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's important and so valuable that, you know, things like Susie Green starting this um, community called the Back Lounge, which is like, she started that a year ago in a month, like, and it's essentially a whole bunch of people from live coming together on Zoom once a week and just talking about what's going on. And it's, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's a well-being session, but she has different speakers come in and it's just been amazing to connect with people all around the world and hear them sharing your story back to you about how much you miss your life. I miss my job. Like I miss all of that so much. So the power of community is just immense. Yeah. Um, if someone was feeling like anxious or overwhelmed and came to you, what would you say to them? What, um, how would you try and help them? I think it's the biggest thing to do is just to listen to someone because I think we're constantly, especially like I was talking to someone like recently about this, when we pick up calls like that, or when we're in the space with someone like that, our brain sometimes just goes straight into fixing mode Mm -hmm. and you're not present with that person when you're fixing when you're thinking, oh, how am I going to finish that sentence? Oh, how am I going to, what do I know? How do I know? And, it, and I think that comes from a certain amount of uncomfortability within yourself to be able to just hold space. Yeah. So I think the biggest, the biggest thing that you can do is hold space for someone. And a lot of the time people just need to talk and, and maybe even tell you things that they've never dared say out loud before. And, and I think that's the biggest service you can be of someone is like to give them your time and to be completely non-judgmental and treat the space hugely confidential and just, you know, just be meet the person where they're at. I think that's the biggest thing. There is, there is no right or wrong answer when you're doing that, when you've got the purest motivations at heart and, you know, if someone's actually, actually try and ascertain if they're asking for your help or whether they just want someone to listen to like, because I think that's what people think. Yeah, it's true. And, And I think too, like, um, just giving someone the space to talk, so often they end up walking into their own answers and solutions. They just need, you know, you're mirroring for them or, or whatever. Like they just need that space to just, yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and exactly that as well. I think I'd say nine times out of 10, by the time I've kind of finished having one of those conversations with someone, they found their own solution and they know what they need to do next. And that's yeah. beautiful. And a lot of the time it's just about keeping it really simple. Uh-huh. Keep it super simple because I think we as humans are so good at overcomplicating things. And, you know, I always, I always kind of question people if it's appropriate on like, you know, the four pillars of, of health, right? So like, how's your food? What's your nutritional intake at the moment? What's your exercise like? How are you moving yourself physically? You know, what's your activity level like as far as like meeting with people and your community and, you know, and, and your rest. And those are the four things. Like, how are you doing these things? And you know, a lot of the time, one of those things is out of kilter. And it's like, well, those are like your anchors. You need those four like pillars in order to have all the other good stuff up, up here. So, you know, I think a lot of people forget that. A lot of people yeah. are like, oh yeah, I haven't actually eaten. Like I, I always, I always like was when I used to work on the helpline at music support, I used to have so many people call in and say, I don't remember the last time I didn't just eat carbs for a meal. And you're like, oh, that could be why you're having anxiety attacks. You know, it could be really contributing to that. Like, mm-hmm. You know, but when you're, yeah, yeah. When, when you're kind of like working in a space where you're just so busy all the time and you're not prioritizing yourself, it can happen really easily. Yeah. And for me, like working in the, um, I mean, years and years working in the supplement aisles, um, I've helped so many people, you know, just chatting. And I always give like, just ask fundamental questions. And like the, the biggest one is, hey, like, 
are you hydrating? Are you drinking water? Don't forget to drink. And, and it's just like, I mean, just that hydration. <laughs> um, That's a big one. I mean, I have colleagues that don't drink water all day and they're working like 18 hour days and they just don't drink water. And you're just like, whoa, that like, you do realize that like, without water, you basically can't breathe. You can't live. Like mm -hmm. it's a big thing. It's a, it's a small thing, but a big thing. Yeah, it's huge. Even um, like your blood is 90% water, your muscles are 80% water. And I think like you're like, well, like 70 or 80% water or something like that. Wow. I mean, but that says it all. When you're not feeding that, what are you doing? You're turning into a California raisin, aren't yeah. you? Like, yeah, everything like, starts slowing down and like gets like sludgy. That's, and, and, and I know from myself, yeah, exactly. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. If I don't drink water, like I feel really rough. Mm -hmm. I genuinely feel rough. I feel like, like someone's like packed my brain with loads of cotton and I just feel really like headachy and I just get, and I get super shitty with people. Like I become yeah. a real asshole when I don't drink water. Yeah. Like, my headaches are like one of the biggest symptoms of, you know, dehydration. And then also I've noticed for myself, like when my lips start getting chapped, then I'm, I'm like dehydrated. Cause like, I never use chapstick ever because I'm properly hydrated. My lips won't dry. I mean, unless it's like super windy and like freezing out, you know, but like, um, yeah, if you tune into your body, you know, you can kind of see what's, what's happening on the surface. And this is the thing. I think we disconnect ourselves so much from our physical, physical being and our mental being that we don't actually look for the signs that are already there mm -hmm. when your body's saying, or your mind's saying, Hey, slow down. I need attention. Like, hello, you know, and then yeah. if you don't pay attention to those signs because the show must go on, which is like the rock and roll saying, right? Then, you know, it could lead to cancer. It could lead to so many other things that you could have easily, you know, really, and I'm not saying that it's the, it's the cure for cancer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, it can negate those escalating to a, to a crisis, essentially. Yeah, momentum is building. So if you can intercept that um, speed from that velocity, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, exercise is a big one, a big thing. Like so many people that I know, like this year, especially because they've had this like 14 months, right? Like they've exercised probably for the first time in their lives. And they're just like different beings as a result. Like, I mean, for me, running has been like, and I was a person like, oh, I'll never run. I hate running. You know, I was like a spinner or like yoga or like, and I still do love yoga, but like when the gyms closed, I had to do something. I was like, I was like, I have to, I can't just stay at home and just like, you know, I was doing resistance band workouts, which were great, mm -hmm. but like I needed to be outside. So I was mm -hmm. like, I downloaded an app that's like the couch to 5k app. And I just started running and it's changed everything. It's, it's, it's like feeds into my meditation practice. It's like, and I can take my shoes on the road. Yeah. You, know, you can run anywhere. Even if you run five minutes, it's better than not running for, for any minutes. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, the sunlight and fresh air is like, it's huge. It's so important. It's so important. Yeah. Especially when you work in, like, if you work in venues all the time yeah. where you, where you don't know what time of day it is. Cause there's no windows. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a reality. Yeah. And even if someone worked in an office and there is a window, but you're under fluorescent lights, like you just, you need, you need it. Do you, do you intentionally make time to go out in nature and just be in nature? Definitely. Definitely. So my higher power manifests itself through trees. So I spend a lot of time like looking at trees and, and talking to trees. And when I'm running, I always thank trees as I'm walking by, as I'm running by them, I'm always thank like, thank you, you know, because of their energy in the ground. 
they're providing a, a, an ability for me to move. The air in our lungs is because of them. Like, so I'm always thanking them. Here's an advert in less than 20 seconds. Did you know that Wellness Provisions offers one-on-one -on -one wellness sessions? Yep. So if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead in life, but feeling a little stuck, then book a session and let's get you unstuck. Now back to the interview. How important is being in gratitude and having, you know, a positive mindset? Like how valuable do you feel that is? More valuable than probably on par with, with eating, sleeping and resting. Research suggests that if we are in a space of positivity and if we live in a positive mind, like within a positive mindset, everything is completely different. And it, you know, your immune system is boosted. You naturally feel better. And, and, and that's, that's very much like the work that you do in the 12 steps of recovery is like based around rewiring your brain and the way you consider things and you think about things. And, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself over the years to realize that I do have like you know, my first thought, it can be really negative, like framing things in a really negative light that's really unhelpful and unhealthy. Um, but when you're able to change that and turn it into, you know, turn, turn problems or challenges into a learning opportunity, you know, you, you, you will grow exponentially. You'll become a totally different person. And, and, and I think, I honestly think that the fear that's behind like negativity, it limits our growth. Mm -hmm. like I'm, it totally limits us. It limits us as humans. So if you're able to understand and, and move into a place of faith rather than fear mm -hmm. and just, you know, and, and I love there's a saying and I don't know who it's from, but, you know, you know, feel the feel the fear, but do it anyway. Like, I'm a huge fan of that because I have never, ever changed by being comfortable. Ever. Right. Yeah, so I, love, I love that. Yeah, I have on my door um, uh, a few like pieces of paper, you know, with like things on them. And one is uh, successful people embrace fear and discomfort. There you go. So that's it. Whoever said that, hallelujah. That's exactly yeah. right. One of, the, one of the books I read, I don't remember which one. <laughs> Great book, but it's totally true as well. So with your job, why is it so meaningful to you? What do you want to kind of share about the changes that you love seeing happen with what you do? I think the biggest thing is, Amy, is I have been othered a lot of my life, whether it be because the music I listen to, the way I look, who I choose to love in my life. And I know what that feels like to be marginalized. And that is, it's such a place of isolation. Um, even as someone in, in, you know, a sober individual, you know, who navigates a space that isn't necessarily always sober. I know what it's like to be seen as like the odd one out or to not be included or to not be invited to things because oh, you don't drink. So you obviously don't want to come and have fun. Right. Exactly. 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 So, but when you have fundamental characteristics about yourself that people shame you for, and then they, they ostracize you, I think you find a certain empathy that other people just don't understand. And they have, because they haven't, ex they haven't experienced it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think with all the work that I'm doing as a part of the tour production group with an amazing production manager who I'm co-facilitating a space on around diversity, equity, and inclusion, equity and inclusion is, you know, finding ways that we can actually really invite people to, to really sit back and, and really question why their spaces are so one's particular way. So, you know, why, why the touring community is so white cis men centric? Why is that? You know, there's got to be a reason. And many people, you know, realize that it's, it's, it's for nepotism. People have kept themselves comfortable. They're hiring their friends. They're not even giving other people a look in. So, you know, what's happening on stage isn't reflected backstage. You know, you've got all these like beautiful, you know, multi-ethnicity kind of performance performers or performances or, or audience members, 
and then it's not reflected backstage. And that's actually just not a healthy ecosystem. So the work that we've been doing is to try and invite people to understand, you know, how we can have, you know, gender diversity in the space, how we can have, you know, ethnic diversity in the space and, and to educate people so that when, you know, new people come into that workspace, they're welcomed rather than being shunned or bullied because that's, that's, that is a big part of inclusion. It's, you know, I heard a fantastic quote that I thought was amazing that said, diversity is what, um, is what, you know, variety looks like from the outside, looks shiny for people to do to tick boxes, but inclusion is what happens on the inside, like actually when you're in your workplace. So, and that's something I feel super passionate about, as I said, as someone who's been marginalized for a lot of my life, you know, from my very earliest memories, I've, I've been marginalized and I just don't want that to happen anymore for people. And I have the greatest empathy for people. And, you know, when we are able to integrate and, and, and celebrate everyone for what they bring, it's so much more interesting. Mm -hmm. that, and that's it. It's like, we learn so much. We are starving ourselves of learning opportunities by keeping people that are like us around us. So right. why wouldn't you? I love learning. And that's the biggest thing for me. It's like, I want to be told how certain food from a different part of the world tastes or what religious, you know, beliefs someone has from another place or, you know, what gender identity someone other than myself has. I think that's fantastic. We learn so much from each other. And, you know, and I think socially, we, by bringing people into our space that aren't like us, we are literally like enriching our lives. And that's what I want for people. I just want people's lives to be enriched. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What are ways, I guess, that you... Um, I don't know if teach is the right word, but facilitate inclusion. Sure. So a, 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 I think a prime example of that. Um, so if we look specifically at the, at the groups that Keely and I have been co-facilitating together. So, you know, when we very first came together, it was this time last year, actually. So when the tour production group came together, it was a collective of production managers and tour managers who essentially got together to write like what post-COVID touring guidelines like for when because people still thought a year ago they were going to be touring so they were like right how can we get COVID guidelines and put, bring them backstage and, and and create a set of guidelines that's created by the people for the people rather than being told what to do so they did wrote this fantastic document released it and then they said well whilst we've got each, other's, got each other's attention there's a few other areas we want to look at so uh, environmental sustainability is one uh, mental well-being is another and the other is uh, diversity. And I was originally brought in to help to inform the mental health kind of tributary, um, but then very quickly moved over to uh, the diversity space because of all the work that I do uh, volunteering for a charity called Girls Rock London. Um, and Girls Rock London is a part of a, an international Girls Rock Camp Alliance, which is like a, essentially like an international umbrella of all these amazing organizations who are committed to culturally diversifying people's lives. That is essentially what they do. And Girls Rock London specifically um, holds camps for uh, people 18 and over and those 11 to 17 who are women trans or non-gender conforming individuals. And we essentially empower people through like helping them to learn instruments. But there's so much more than that because at our camps, you don't just come and you, know, you, you, you pick up an instrument you may have never touched before, you um, write a song, form a band and perform all in the last, like within a week or within three days, if you're at the, at the 70, and it's amazing because you see the confidence of these people just grow. And, you know, we, we work specifically with people who, so we work in, in, in an area of East London called Hackney, which is quite, 
you know, it's 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 it's, it's not very socioeconomically diverse, and that there's extreme poverty, there's extreme wealth. You know, there's a lot of gentrification that's happened in that space. But you know, we have a lot of, of people that are are brought to our service, brought to us through mental health services, through local children's mental health services, or we work with foundations locally that would um, they help young people, they help identify young people who may be groomed to go into gangs. So it's like, or like refugee children, or like people who who, you know, who we want to bring into a space that's completely safe. We make sure that our spaces are filled with women, trans and non-binary volunteers. We've got two volunteers to one person. So it's like, it's a great ratio. It's a great yeah. ratio. And, you know, not only do you get instrument tuition, you also have sit down workshops about gender identity or about racism or, you know, anti-racism. And, you know, that's been my language for so long because, you know, I'm, I'm part of the right girl movement from like, since I was like a kid. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's something that's been in my language for a long time. So you know, kind of going back to the TPG, the per- one of the people who started that knew that about me. And he was like, well, you're the perfect person to, you know, to run this space. And I said, well, I think, you know, Keely would be fantastic. Is it, well, she elected herself and I'm glad she did because she came forward to give her time. And we've just been taking people on this journey. So in our very first meeting, we sat together and created a safe space agreement that is thereby says things like, we all come together under the banner of change, recognizing that we might use outdated language and we give each other permission to correct each other, but not in a way that's angry or aggressive. You know, so we're inviting people to come in and try and give it a go and really try and understand and change their their, their thoughts. And, you know, we had some really fantastic um, gender diversity, LGBT uh, inclusion um, training at the very beginning about, I think it was July last year, one of my colleagues from Girls Rock London came and shared their experience. And it's almost like you could see people's like light bulbs going off in people's heads, like on Zoom, you're all sitting there and like we're having these conversations and all of a sudden you're like, you're like yeah, there's one, there's one, yeah, like, <laughs> that light's gone off. And I was getting messages from some of the tour managers who you know, they work at a very high level, these people, and they don't normally have the opportunity to sit and really think about things because they're just like, they just do. They just do. Yeah. They're effective. They do. They don't have the time to really be cerebral on subjects. And I was getting messages like the training and the space that you and Keely have provided here has like changed my life and it's changed it for the better. And now what I'm going to do is when I'm, you know, when I'm advancing a tour, I'm not just going to ask for male and female toilets. I'm going to ask for male, female and gender neutral toilets. And f- to hear that is like, you know, so that means all of our trans and, and non-gender conforming uh, siblings will feel comfortable when they go into their workspace because so, they've got a toilet that they feel more comfortable using. Like sure. it, it's, it's literally that easy, but I think for them, it was pretty hard because they didn't understand why. And they did also, you know, have a lot of people in that space say, I want to help, but I don't want to say the wrong thing, you know, so we'd get guests to come in and share the lived experience and say, just ask me, you know, and and we had, you know, members of the trans community come in and talk to us or, you know, members from all over the different parts of the industry that are doing cool stuff that are mainly from grassroots organizations coming and talking to like these kind of high level touring professionals and like meeting together in the middle. And I think that was it is them learn meeting people and being like, you're non-binary. What does that mean? What can, how can I help? You know, what can I do to make your life easier if you come on one of my tours? Yeah. So it's like, and that's it is like, you know, when you can like personalize things for people, you know, and the big work that we're doing around anti-racism in that space as well is like when you can bring people of color into that space and they share their lived experience of what it's like to be on a tour and tour managers faces will drop and they're like, fuck, that's so embarrassing. Like, I can't believe that happens, you know, in this day and age. So 
you know, it's 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 about, and I think that's something that Keely and I have really succeeded in is we've we've brought those two areas together who would normally never talk to each other, and they've engaged in these conversations in a space that's completely like non-judgmental, and yeah. and that's it. Yeah, and they they each person has you're giving them the benefit of the doubt, but like they're coming from a place of compassion. And like you said, I might use the wrong word or something, but like no harm is intended and you're just learning and growing. And, and that's it. I think and it goes back to very much about like when someone comes and asks for help, it's like meeting them where they're at mm-hmm. and helping them to see that there's no wrong answer and there's no shame in asking and there's no fear here. It's just about us, you know, coming together. That's why the safe space agreement, it's, it spells it all out very clearly to us. But it's it's really important that we say that at the beginning of meetings because we come in and we think, I can be myself. And if I, you know, if I make a mistake, no one's going to be there. Like, oh my God, you made a mistake. How dare you? You know, it's, it's not going to happen like that. And that's, I mean, who learns like that? Nobody learns like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's, that's how we've made tangible change kind of possible. And, and, and again, around inclusion is, you know, those people have, have said to us and demonstrated that when they are hiring on tours, they're going to hire in a different way. And they're going to make sure that on their tours, people have got things like a safe space agreement in place or they get like a welcome letter when they're brought into the tour that explains what is and isn't acceptable, you know, and that's, and that's amazing. You know, I had a production manager share with me recently, a welcome letter that said, you know, this is a a space free of bullying. If you see anything at all, my office is a confidential space. Come and talk to me. Like Mm -hmm. I've never, ever seen that before in, in, in the touring world. And they're standing behind it. It's not just here. Look, we look good. They're yeah. Yeah. Yeah, backing it up. It's not, it's not lip service. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, for me, this is probably the first time I've ever seen that in that space. And I just think it's really exciting. It's really exciting. That's so cool. Yeah. More applause. <laughs> yes, woo! <laughs> um, is there anything else, you know, words of wisdom or tips, advice, anything that you would like to share with other rock and rollers or anybody? I think the biggest thing is, is like, it is so punk rock to look after yourself. It is like the biggest like political fuck you to love yourself. Mm-hmm. It totally is. It's like, that's way more punk rock than like wearing a fucking million safety pins in your face. You know what I mean? Because you know, the capitalist society that we live in wants us to consume, wants us to hate ourselves, wants us to, you know, compete against each other. But if you don't do that, that is totally punk rock. Yeah, it's true. A a huge fuck you to consumerism and whether it's consuming media or, you know, shit food or whatever, like a hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's probably my biggest thing. That's my biggest thing. There's my takeaway. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, Do you have a favorite quote? I do. So my quote comes from a fantastic black queer um, trans woman who people may know called Marsha P. Johnson, who effectively helped to start the Stonewall riot, which we now know as Pride. Um, and she said something once that um, just really, really resonates with me. And she said, pay it no mind. When people are questioning your gender identity, pay it no mind. When people are questioning you and your very fundaments of who you are, pay it no mind. You know, don't give them the, the satisfaction of, of, having to prove yourself you don't have to prove yourself to anyone you know and and that that's why you know the self-love and 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 it is the most punk rock thing you can do like loving yourself relentlessly loving yourself yeah it's amazing so marsha p johnson legend (laughs) awesome thank you so much for uh oh my gosh i feel like 
how long we, we've been talking for 30 no 43 minutes and wow. I feel like so much has been covered and shared and your experiences I mean in your life are just what they've done to to form you and shape you and what you're doing now and what everyone you're affecting and then everyone they're affecting that you know I mean it's just it's phenomenal you're doing such awesome work and your presence is beautiful oh thank you thank you but the, you know what it is Amy it keeps me humble as well I'm so humble and and and, and the humility that it brings as a result and to know that because of my existence one person has had an easier time that literally that is the most beautiful beautiful gift I could ever hope for back but thank you for saying those kind words yeah of course have a wonderful rest of your day and enjoy the sunshine in London. I'm so shy.